Hey parents, welcome to another edition of The Wonder of Parenting. My name is Tim Wright, along with my good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian. And let us say, first of all, how honored we are to have you listening to us today. And we've been thrilled with the response to the podcast so far with so many of you listening. And, and we hope you're enjoying what you're hearing and, and learning a lot. And today we're going to turn to a really important topic for you if you're a parent of uh, particularly boys, but girls as well. And that's video games and your child's brain. Uh, now, Michael and I, uh, this is going to date us, we come from an era where video games were nothing like they are today. Um, Michael, for me, I remember playing um, Space Invaders. How about you? Yeah, I do remember Space Invaders and also Asteroid. Those are the two I remember. Yes, Asteroid. I remember that one. Of course, in those days, you had to go somewhere to play those games, whether it was a uh, an arcade or a mall or a pizza place. Um, the first home game... I believe, was uh, a Commodore 64 or something like that, and the game was Pong. And that thing was huge back in our day because we'd never seen anything like it. And uh, all it was was a black-and-white screen with uh, one side was a white stick, which served as a paddle, on the other side the same, and so you and a buddy would control the paddle. And then a, a nice white square ball, so to speak, would go back and forth, and you'd play ping-pong, and uh, the speed of the game would pick up. And um, I, I remember Saturday Night Live uh, doing something on that where guys were playing Pong and just having conversation because such was, a, was such a big deal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I never owned one, but uh, I believe the first one that I really saw was uh, Jan's brother had one when Jan and I were dating all those years ago. So uh, video games have changed dramatically since that time. My son grew up with Atari and Nintendo and, and Xbox. Uh, for a while, he was creating Facebook or uh, Facebook uh, games, uh, and um, my grandsons and granddaughters are living in an even different world. I went over to my grandson's house yesterday, and my four-year-old grandson Decker said, "Grandpa, can we play video games?" And uh, he went and turned on everything, got it all set up, and he asked me a question or two, and I couldn't answer him because I had no idea how those things work. So even though video games are a little bit beyond where I'm at, um, we do have some things to say about video games, and Michael in particular, based on his years looking at how the brain works. So Michael, just to get us started, tell us a little bit about two resources that you have where you talk extensively about screen time, video games, and our children. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, the uh, the Minds of Girls uh, has a lot in it, a whole chapter on digital life and sort of uh, looking at digital life stage by stage, depending on developmentally how old the child is, and then um, uh, sa Saving Our Sons. And that has a lot on video games, uh, and it's also age by age, because the key, the key concept to all of this, I think, is the developmental concept. How old is that brain? How mature is that brain? What are the stages that brain is going through if we're going to give it a lot of exposure to video games? When does that become you know healthy and when is it not as healthy? So let's kind of summarize a little bit. And of course, this is a big question when we're summarizing. But what are some of the things that screen time, generally speaking, does to the brain? How does the brain and screen time interact? Well, screen time in general uh, obviously has a positive effect on the brain in that you learn more educationally one is learning more um, because one is learning through the screen all sorts of stuff so that's that's the first positive uh, and it's filling the mind basically with all sorts of information and knowledge now the 
the what it does in the brain is it excites certain centers of the brain and it actually devalues does not excite certain other centers and so we've talked about and we'll probably talk again about how screen time is passive so and the brain especially in the younger years the brain is an active learner and so in order to close synapses build pathways complete pathways uh, we actually need to emphasize more active learning, and the more time that the brain spends on a screen, the more it's passive. And 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 surprisingly, video games, you know, would fit in that category. People would say, "Well, wait a minute, you know, the kid sure looks pretty active when he's playing a video game," and he is, he is. But we mean something a little different. What we mean is that that the the that whole brain, it's not actually working actively. Certain centers are working. Obviously, the eye-hand coordination. Right, if he's moving something, um, uh, that's working, and then the visual cortex is working, and so there are certain things working. But he's not actually going to imprint and build pathways uh, as much as if he were out riding a horse, uh, you know, to give an example, or if he were out doing yard work, or if he were doing something that was using the whole body that was more active. Uh, so that's something to consider when we think about screens. Even if the kid looks like he's really active, it may not actually be building pathways like we would like it to. So let me back that up just a little bit. Um, John Gray, who, do you know him personally? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, we blurbed each other's books. He's a good man. Yeah, so he he's best known for his book, uh, Men Are From Venus, Women From Mars, or men are from mars women <laughs> venus whatever it is right, yeah. yeah and um he wrote uh, a huge section in your friend warren farrell's book on the boy crisis and um what his main um purpose was in in that part of the book was to talk about uh, adhd and he was looking at the various aspects of that and and he looks at it from the perspective of dopamine in the brain and uh, so uh, before I dive into some of that, because I know you right. talk about that as well, just oh, give yeah. us a little sense of what dopamine does in the brain. Yeah, and that's especially important for video games, and it's especially important for social media, so smartphones, etc. Um, so dopamine is the reward chemical, and there are a number of centers that control that and activate, like the caudate nucleus, the nucleus accumbens, ventral striatum. These are parts of the brain that are involved in the release of dopamine, the control of dopamine. And, and what the brain, the brain loves to get the rushes of dopamine. All of our brains do. That's part of how we... Uh, in fact, to a great extent, that's how we live our lives. We try to do the things that bring dopamine rushes, which is pleasure. We try to avoid things that bring pain. And, um, and video games and screens, they release a lot of dopamine in specific situations. And for video games, that, that dopamine release, that constant dopamine release, is actually fooling the brain. And I don't know if you want me to talk about this yet. Yes, uh, please do. Okay. Yep. So that that is actually fooling the brain. So, for instance, um, and this is not an anti-video anti uh, an anti games thing. You know, neither you nor I are anti-video games. It's not about that. But it's about the brain developmentally. And let's take a 15-year-old boy. This 15-year-old boy, if he's playing an hour of video games, uh, let's say on a school night, um, for that hour his brain is fooled into thinking it has accomplished an incredible amount um, because every time he moves to a different level, every time he succeeds in any way, and any time he laughs because something happens or his friend, if they're playing interactively, you know, they get, they're, they're laughing. That whole thing, um, uh, every one of those times he gets a dopamine hit 
and and his brain for that hour feels like it has accomplished a lot it's done an amazing you know an amazing job but actually he hasn't accomplished anything so then if you take that hour and you say to yourself well what if he had spent that hour you know and then fill in the blank doing a b c d whether it was homework whether it was helping the family whether it was working uh whether it was visiting a nursing home you know you could list a billion things um uh those actually would they'd give they'd give a dopamine rush they wouldn't give as many but they would give a dopamine rush they feel good and they are actual accomplishments so i think the the reason that video games and dopamine is such a big deal is we just want to make sure that parents understand and then the kids as they get older that that your the do the, the video games are set up to to addictively attract the dopamine release and it's actually fooling the kid so it fine to play some video games but i would beg people to watch for video games on weeknights because that's you know that's when we really want kids to be accomplishing a lot hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. And I think uh, John Gray is making that exact argument. And part of what he's saying is that when kids are playing too much, too much of a video game, uh, it increases the dopamine level, so that so they do feel like they're accomplishing, and it's much more pleasurable then uh, than uh, trying to accomplish the things that really matter in life. Exactly. So it's a lot more pleasurable to play a video game for an hour than to do homework or to do chores. Uh, or maybe to go out for a jog, although the jogging can be a, a dopamine stimulant as well. And so his concern, his argument is that while video games can do some good things, we really have to be careful uh, about the negative consequences. And I think he even draws the, the conclusion. Uh, in fact, let me state this. Uh, he's talking about how there's research that says that um, uh, video games... Uh, can be good for you. There are there are increasingly uh, TED Talks and so on that say if you play video games, you can make decisions 25% faster, um, and um, your your uh, you know cognitive abilities can can grow. And uh, he says, while all this sounds amazing, 
Anyone who takes a stimulant drug like cocaine or speed will experience the same thing. Oh, improved yeah. memory, creativity, faster decision-making abilities. So he's almost comparing, and I think you have as well, that video games can have a similar impact on our lives as cocaine. Well, yeah, it shows up similarly in the brain, and and that's why we're all kind of worried about it. Uh, and at the same time, yes, uh, there are is there actually a certain kind of ADD where where um, clinicians will have kids play video games. So there are ways it can help, you know, with a certain with certain brain function, and if you have a certain brain anomaly, it can help. And so you can make the case. There are certain things you have to be really specific and do the research. But there are certain things where you can make the case. Hey, if I if my son plays these video games for this half hour, that might help him with blank. And and so we don't want we don't want to say that's 100% incorrect. That, that there, There's an argument to be made there. It's just got to be really specific about what we're specifically getting at. Um, on the whole, however, uh, video games do have the effect of fooling the brain, and so then the brain does not want to do other things. And so uh, when people now are, of course, a- AMA has said it's, a, it's addictive, so w- when we now look at it clinically and say, hey, look, this can become an addiction, that's, that's what you're referring to, and that's absolutely true. And it will light up addiction centers in the brain if the, if the guy has become addicted. Um, and, and I say guy because it's mainly guys who play video games of the kind we're discussing, um, but some girls do too. So we, we don't want to leave girls out, but I think most of the questions that come to us are from parents of boys. Um, they, they, and even there, it, there is a beautiful comparison. Even when you compare what happens to the brains of girls and boys when they play video games, boys are their brains are so compartmentalized and gray matter oriented um, uh, that they are they have fewer fail safes than girls do to avoid the addictive quality of the dopamine release. So even there, there's a sex comparison, sex on the brain comparison. And it's one of the reasons we get most of the questions from parents of boys, because they know their daughters are playing. They can see them playing video games, but they're not seeing as much of this scary uh, addictiveness or, or the lack of purpose that happens in a boy's life. His, his, he stops doing homework. He stops doing other things. He stops relating to people. That's more something you're going to see with guys, because uh, once that compartment is, you know, once they're focused on that compartment and the ad- addictive quality of the dopamine release, that's kind of what they want to do and and that's a real life ruiner so you're listening to the wonder of parenting my name is tim wright along with dr michael gurian and um, if you want to know more about the work that michael does or that i'm doing with boys and girls you can head over to our website wonderofparenting.com wonderofparenting.com and there you'll find all the links that you need to be able to subscribe to this podcast and we hope that you'll do that hope that you'll tell your friends about it and if you enjoy the podcast maybe give us a nice rating we'd appreciate that as well Uh, and also then on that website wonderofparenting.com there are some links to uh, michael's books that he's talked about there's a link to my website and some of the products that michael and i have created for you to help uh, you raise uh, heroic boys and wise girls and um, so that's all on the wonderofparenting.com and we encourage you to stop by there so michael i just want to pick up on this uh john gray here says that um says the same thing a recent brain imaging study by researchers at stanford school of medicine suggests that boys are more vulnerable than girls to video game addiction up to 90 percent of american youth play video games and as many as 31 percent more than 5 million kids may be addicted Boys are three times more likely than girls to be addicted to video games. And when he's talking about addicted now, we're not just saying they like them a lot. We're talking clinically. 
right? Yeah, yeah, and there's that whole other gray area where it's we wouldn't call it clinical addiction, but we've got millions of boys in that gray area. But in terms of addiction, yes, that's its own clinical term, and we're, what we would be talking about is a boy who now who for whom it is like cocaine or or heroin or something else, where really his whole life's about that. And he has given up most of his primary relationships, uh, or they're faltering. He probably, in the end, won't be able to hold a job. He, you know, uh, that's the kind of addiction there, and that's already in the millions. And then there's the gray area that we wouldn't clinically call addiction, but that I think a lot of parents are worried about, where where the child is playing an hour or an hour and a half or two hours on a school night, and so therefore is not doing all this other stuff. But he's getting C's, you know. He probably we probably wouldn't say he's addicted, but he sure feels like he's addicted, and that's right. its own category. And and parents are having to navigate this all the time. Um, it is so easy. I know that even with my grandkids, uh, we haven't seen them all week, and the first thing they want to do is play iPad. And it's uh, well, how about if we say hi to Grandpa? How about if we say hi to Grandma? And let's play some games. And um, I want to get here to violent video games in a moment, uh, but I want to reiterate a little bit uh, what you've been saying. And uh, through the words of John Gray here, uh, again, he, he says that there are increasingly studies that say that video games can be good for you. Um, and But he says, you know, playing a video game improves hand-eye coordination, but so does throwing a ball. And it doesn't have the side effects. Um, video games uh, change your brain, sometimes in positive ways, but so does reading and playing piano, listening to music. Um, and none of the side effects. And so um, while there may be some positive to video games... There are some very serious side effects that we're trying to point out to parents, and then we'll get practical on uh, how to navigate the world of video games. Uh, So having said that, let's turn to violent video games. I think parents are concerned about video games in general, but really concerned about violent video games. And let's start with the question everyone's asking. Do violent video games make violent boys? Yeah, it's a great question. Okay, before I answer it, I need to back up. Okay. Uh, because a couple things, you said a couple things there. Um, I just need to back up and say something. One thing is that I totally understand John's position, uh, and to some extent it's my position, but at the same time, I'm a little more moderate uh, in my approach to video games simply because around 90% of kids are playing them, and it's so it's so hard for us to say to families or to children hey, look, uh, you know, you really ought not play them. Um, it's just, it, that's why I take a developmental approach. What's the age group rather than just a blanket approach like he does? I, I, we need to, I think, take a developmental approach because it's, it's just unlikely that any parent is, or, or that most parents are going to not have their kids play video games. Right, yeah, and uh, he, does, he does that too. He says, you know, 30 minutes an hour a day max. Yeah, okay, good, yep. okay, great. Which yeah, is what we'll talk about they, when we talk about navigating video games. Yeah, I would hate for us to be. And then the second thing to say is when we're talking about video games now, you know, interestingly, we have there's there's nuance because Minecraft is an example of a video game that is that goes beyond kind of what we're talking about here. Minecraft has actually attempted and succeeded in some ways in in creating an active universe. Hmm. So in activating more of the brain than, and I'll segue to the violent video games that you were asking about, more than, say, the violent video games, which have a quest plot, a heroic plot in them, but are mainly about, you know, they're they're mainly uh, kind of heroic literature where the hero is taking on evil 
and um, and evil has many permutations, and the hero has his team with him, or he's alone, and he's taking on evil. Now that in itself is heroic, and it's it's interesting. I want to and and I want to talk about it. But for the brain, Minecraft is actually doing more than um, Assassin's Creed or you know something like that, Call of Duty. It's it's doing more because Minecraft has you building things, and so it's that's a distinction I just wanted to make. Yes, when we say video games. Um, uh, you know, we are making a distinction between the various kinds. So, in terms of um, in terms of violent violent video games, uh, yeah, I mean, they like I was just saying, they have this. They, it's a heroic quest, and that in itself is 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 a good thing. And it's they are kind of the equivalent of those violent fairy tales that were told to kids three hundred years ago, which were very violent, in which the hero, you know, saved the world. Uh, these are v- quite similar. They just happen to be in a visual spatial modality rather than a reading modality, and they are trying to uh, create identification with heroes and teach good versus evil and basic morality, and uh, and obviously they're a heck of a lot of fun, um, and you feel a lot of success vanquishing evil. So they are here to stay and we have to, I think, make the most of them. And so my call to people is is to, um, before we get to the developmental, it's just to always be cognizant with your kids and be talking to kids about what they're getting in the video game. And uh, so like a lot of dads will play video games with their sons. Okay, great. It's great bonding. Make sure to be talking about what what are the rules of honor here? What are the What's the code of conduct? Uh, what are we learning about empathy? What are we learning about self? You know, to to really have a conversation with with their their boys and girls about this, so that it becomes conscious and becomes part of character development. Um, and and because video games can be a good part of character development, they're already heroic quests. But we, I think we have to make it conscious with these guys. Um, and then also, there are some video games that, as you know, I think we should not be playing which are like grand theft auto those kinds of video games are are so misogynistic that you know i i just i find them reprehensible and i would love to us to be conscious with our kids and if they are going to play that really talk to them about what misogyny is and how we treat women and how they're depicted um uh, because one of the biggest negatives of prolonged video game use for males is that uh they they don't mature as adults and they're not able to hold relationships. Mm. So, you know, that's just something, especially the guys who are addicted. And then in terms of does does it cause violence? No. Uh, video games cannot um, themselves cause violence. Uh, they are it's it was that, that's a mythology the same way that we used to say and, and no one does anymore. But we used to say if a girl looks at an image in a magazine of a thin woman, she will become anorexic. The image of the thin woman cannot cause her to become anorexic. So violence is a disease in the same way that anorexia is a disease. And there are causes for that disease, and uh, video games are not the cause. But people can use the video game and, and decide, once they have decided to become violent, they can dress themselves up like that video game and try to replay it because, of course, they're using that imaginative tool uh, uh, for their disease. Um, but no, the video game will not cause the violence. So let's let's talk practically then for parents on uh, how to help them navigate uh, the world of video games and um, 
I, I know, again, in your books, The Minds of Boys, or Saving Our Sons and The Minds of Girls, uh, you talk developmentally about, you know, how much time for each age of life. So we're going to broaden out to be a, a bit more generic, I guess. But um, I seem to hear you say, and, and I think uh, I was writing that with John Gray, too, that we need to uh, not ban video games, but certainly limit uh, the amount of time that kids are playing them. So what would be some general guidelines that you would give for parents throughout the week? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. The, uh, we have to practice with video games the way we would practice anything else as a parent. Uh, it is, it is a form of, a, of a stranger coming into our home, right? We would control how long that stranger, let's say is in our home. It's, it is a form of brain use and it is our job as parents to control how our kids use their brains because we want them to develop well. And we got to see video games as just like that. We wouldn't feed our kids uh, junk food for every meal. You know, we wouldn't do that because it's bad for them. Video games similarly. So, uh, so the most important thing is to be developmental. And I beg parents if they hear someone say, okay, video games are this or video games are that for parents to to step back and go, okay, let me listen to that. But what age are y'all talking about? Like, uh, you know, are you talking about 12-year-olds? Are you talking about two-year-olds? Um, that's the key thing. And so, as you said, those two books do more than I can do in short space here. They lay it all out, birth to two, two to four, four to six. But let me give a few broad strokes. Like, for instance, in the first five years of life, there, there's so much brain development going on. I would, I would limit uh, screen time and limit video games to very little. Um, and make sure that brain is being active. That's obviously especially true birth to two. Birth to two, we want almost no screens for kids anyway. Birth to two, uh, a half hour of slow-moving images on a TV program, okay. But birth to two, we want to keep... Oh, and talking to grandma or grandpa via FaceTime. Okay, that's a good use of screen time, birth to two. Uh, but otherwise, very little. Uh, two to five, um, uh, you know, we don't want to be giving smartphones to the kids where they can play the video games. We don't want to be giving them uh, pads where they can play the games. Uh, if someone's going to do it, like make it a treat for a few minutes on the weekend or something like that. But we just don't want those brains getting addicted already to the screens and to the video games. Um, that's going to impede their brain development. Uh, just uh, on on its face at the baseline and it's also going to impede their brain development at 12 and 15 because they're gonna at four they're gonna already be wanting to play the game because we got to remember screens are so stimulating and video games are so stimulating so they get the brain stimulated and the brain always wants that stimulation which is an inadequate stimulation. Uh, and then if we go to five to seven, five to eight, now, okay, folks are going to probably add in some video games. Um, and now we, not, now we need to add it in thinking about how much other screen time they have. So let's say they, an eight-year-old is doing an hour of video games on a Saturday. Uh, I, I think that would be pretty normal for a lot of eight-year-olds today. Um, and we got to look at, okay, is he spending... Uh, uh, you know, two hours on another screen, set of screens, a pad inside a computer. Um, okay, now we're into three, four hours. That's too much in front of a screen for an eight-year-old to be sure that he's getting good brain development. Um, and then by in 10 to 12, we want to look carefully at pruning and uh, actually from around nine to 13, but 10 to 12 is a big time. Uh, we want to 
make sure the kid is like for instance i would still not do any video games for a 12 year old on a school night because the brain is going to prune uh, in that time frame, it prunes the cells it doesn't use. It has to because it has too many. So it prunes those out, and it keeps the cells it uses. So if the kid's playing video games an hour, an hour and a half, it keeps those cells. And and video game cells are pretty worthless in life, even though it's very entertaining. They, they're they not cells the brain really needs to mature, to survive, to thrive, to raise a family, you know, to be successful later. Uh, we don't really need those cells. Good entertainment, don't need those cells. We want to we wanna actually prune away some of those cells and keep, you know, the cells that are going to be more useful for surviving and thriving. Uh, so th- that's a few highlights, but basically it's laid out in the minds of girls and in Saving Our Sons. And and you would also then recommend that parents be very aware of the content of the games. Oh yeah, um, I talk about the content and and um, et cetera. Yeah, I mean like everything from Grand Theft Auto to the violence to the way women are treated. All of that, just like if they read a book, just like if they went to school. You know, we should be talking to them about about all this stuff. Um, and I like to see video games put in the context of character development. And I have a big section in Saving Our Sons where I help. It has a bunch of these tools parents can use to help them take a game with their son, talk with their son about it, and and make it into character development. Because I think that's a great use of video games. And and to go back to what we were talking about earlier on with, with, the, um, uh, with dopamine... Uh, the video games play with dopamine in in a different way, bring a lot of pleasure, which can make it harder than to find pleasure in the normal everyday things. So when we can prioritize what's important and video games become the ice cream, the dessert, rather than the main course, uh, our kids are going to be better off. It sounds to me that's that's what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yes, well said. And and just to use an analogy from my life, uh, I'm 60 years old, so I really try to eat healthy. But I'm always craving a Big Mac or a uh, a Whopper because that's what I kind of grew up with as a kid. And uh, but if I ate that all the time, I I I wouldn't find myself going back to the healthy stuff because that doesn't seem to do the dopamine as well for me until I've been doing it for a while. So, video games should be dessert, not the main course. And uh, in our Wonder of Parenting podcast episode nine and ten, we talk more about screen time. So I think all three of these episodes together would be good to listen to so parents we want to thank you uh, you can learn more about us on wonderofparenting.com uh, links there so that you can subscribe to these podcasts also links to the work that michael is doing uh, the work that i'm doing and uh, michael thank you so much for your great insights today oh thanks tim thanks for doing this and thank you parents for listening we look forward to being with you again next week we drop every monday a uh, next one's coming up on the following monday Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.